I specifically been recording for three minutes now, saying it out loud so I can find it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you say it now, three minutes in. You should say it then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you are at three minutes. Okay. As the crow flies. Um, I was very bad at taking notes for this because I just liked this movie. Because I just watched it same. I had the same problem, when, but I just watched it now, so it's a little more fresh in the brain. All right. <sighs> Welcome to Director Video. VHS? A podcast no. where we pair. Excuse me? <laughs> Sorry, we did not. Timed out is. <laughs> Fuck me off. Oh, yeah, it super <laughs> didn't. Super, super <laughs> didn't. Welcome to Direct-A-Video. VHS? VHS? A podcast where we pair movies like fine wine. I am your host, Tony Robusto. I am your host, Andy Reyes. Third time's a charm. We did it. Uh, We're this here. This time we watched Detective Pikachu. We did. We did, and I had fun with it. Yeah. It, it was good. It was good. <laughs> it's weird. It's it's a weird energy when we watch a movie that we like. I felt myself remembering watching it in the theater and being like, I'm still surprised at how not awful that movie is. There is a part of you that expects it to be, right? Every time. When you're talking about like Pokemon movies, we just watched um, Pokemon, the first movie. Parts of it were surprisingly competent, and parts of it were even more surprisingly terrible. <laughs> it 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 was a it was a movie that was kind of caught between two two different like philosophies for what a kids movie should be, and also just not very good. <laughs> even at its best, if you were going to watch like the subbed version, it was basically like a Godzilla movie. Like a yeah. classic Godzilla movie where there is a lesson behind the fact that Godzilla attacked and it's like really campy, but fine, you know? And this did not have that energy almost at all. Uh, honestly, this this just felt like a really good, um, like young adult kids adventure, uh, which is what it should feel like. A little um, noir which was fun. I like when Pokemon, I like when people take Pokemon and do stuff with it. That you're not supposed to. I like Pokemon as a noir. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, my my favorite Pokemon game growing up was um, the uh, Emerald or Ruby or Sapphire, whichever one you played, because... Well, Emerald's the best version of them, because it doesn't have a part where they're like, no, this other evil team's definitely the good guys. Yes, but also I like all three of those games because the plot of the game is we are destroying the world for Pokemon. The stakes yeah. are so high for a Pokemon game. Well, Diamond and Pearl, the stakes are the end of the universe, I think. That's that's too big, though, right? Like, I don't know. I can't. It's massively too big. The the, the um <laughs> the um, game in that one the the the. The gang is just a cult. It's a cult who wants to destroy the world, and that's too weird. 
And I I was watching um I was watching May play the recent one, and in the recent one, there's like no villain really. It's just like a a kind of slightly over obsessed fanboys. Are we talking about Sword and Shield? Is yes, that's the I I guess I guess two more have come out since then. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be careful when you say the most recent Pokemon game. Because for a second I thought you might be talking about the remake of Sapphire and Root, mm-hmm. um, which are probably exactly the same. But you meant Yeah, the one where at the end this fucking low-rent Tony Stark is like, I need to solve the renewable energy crisis that is for some reason already solved in this world. He's like, in <sighs> ten thousand years our cities will fall. That's so and long. Man, that's, a, that's a good fucking run, dude. Dude, I wish I I wish I had a runway that long. Are you kidding me? If I had ten, if if some, if we had ten thousand years as opposed to <laughs> any second now, <laughs> where scientists are just looking at the clock, like I don't know, man. We gotta go out and plant some trees. What are we? It's doing? bad. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it should have it should have happened already. <laughs> we're, we're like just right in that edge. Um, we, but that's the thing. That's that's the thing. It was it was very weird. The, the the story of that one's very weird in the modern climate of yeah. There is an ongoing human created natural disaster around energy, and this is functionally not dealing with it. No, it's it's. And I think it, it was even at the time it was as weird, right? That that was the a couple years ago. It was weird, yeah. That's very weird. Also, they made Pokemon Soccer in that, and that was weird. The whole thing's weird. I, I'm actually kind of okay with Pokemon just being soccer because it makes it makes it feel more like we're playing pretend and less like dog fighting, which is. The the eternal battle that Pokemon has had since inception. Sure. Without getting too much into it, I didn't like that it meant that the champion was just like a random poster boy with literal who's literally covered in ads. And and this is one of the ones where you got to choose your own clothing, but oops, you can't wear your own clothing while you're in the fights because you're on a soccer team. Because you're on a soccer team and you have to wear your your uniform your jersey even though you're not on a team team it's just you uh there were a lot of choices made in that game i thought that game was weird i i i think a lot of people were very frustrated with it i haven't played arceus but it's it seems like that's going to be the direction pokemon games are going to be in from now on from the trailer of the new one Welcome to Video Game News Corner, I guess. I was gonna um, say, we are not talking about the movie. I might cut all this out, put it at the end. Yeah. Um, let's talk Let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about Detective Pikachu 2019. So, let's talk, even before the movie movie, I do want to mention something, because I think it might be my first note. Yeah. What do you think of the designs of the Pokemon in this movie? I like them. Ideally, what I would have wanted them to do, I was mm-hmm. would, I would preferred they Roger Rabbit it if they could have. Interesting, but I also understand that that is like a uniquely only I personally would have enjoyed that. I think a lot of people would have felt like that would have been cheap. I think the issue with Robert Roger Rabbiting it is that it wouldn't feel like a Pokemon world. Yeah, this is yes. a world where 
there are no animals. Yes. There are just Pokemon. Instead of seeing Buffalo, we see Buffalons? I forget what they're called. It doesn't matter. In the beginning of the movie, actually not the very beginning, like just after the opening scene, there are Pidgey flying by. And my first thought was, man, those birds look weird. And then it clicked. Those aren't birds. Those are Pokemon. That's why they look so weird. All of the Pokemon look weird. And actually, I'm into it. I'm into the idea that, like, uh, I think this, I think that this movie will age much better than other CGI based movies because even as CGI evolves, it won't matter because the Pokemon always looked weird. It, it, (laughs) it already has, right? Like, this movie came out three years ago. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know. I just watched whatever. I just watched a Marvel movie. I don't remember which one. That tells you something about the current state of Marvel movies, huh? Doctor Strange. I watched the new Doctor Strange, and it was a miserable time. I hated it for a a variety of reasons. But the the CGI in kind of the more recent run of Marvel movies feels bad. It doesn't look good. And and like even going back to like some of the earlier ones, there's just um, there's just something about it. It's because and it's because those movies are trying to look as realistic as possible. And so when people move in them, sometimes it just doesn't flow. And that's, and that would have been a big problem if this, if this movie decided that they were going to hew, like we are going to try and make these Pokemon look as close to real animals as possible. Cause that was the other option, right? Um, right. But instead they just made them look weird. There's a Mr. Mime in this movie who looks too much like a human and it's disgusting. It's um, disgusting, but, but it works. But it works. Like, absolutely. We're about to see Mewtwo, because in the opening scene, you the are first thing immediately you see. told this is Mewtwo. Mewtwo's here. This is what Mewtwo looks like, and it it's honestly a fantastic primer for Getting your brain, if you know what Pokemon are, it automatically, your brain adjusts to, okay, this is what they're going to look like. I'm in. Right. They don't look like anime characters. This thing looks like an alien. It looks yeah. not unlike a... Like a, a genetically modified abomination. Yes, precisely. They So they had to redesign the Pokemon in this movie because they did test shots with, I think, like hyper-realistic versions. And the Pokemon company wasn't happy with it. Oh man, I'm so glad that didn't get into a trailer before they decided to change it, like Sonic. I think I think the designs leaked. Mm. And yeah, like reception was poor to negative, right? Mm-hmm. And so they actually reached out. And if you are a person who liked Pokemon and were on the internet at all in the early 2000s, you remember that there was a guy on DeviantArt who like made his name drawing realistic Pokemon. They got that guy. As a consultant, huh. because they knew that his designs already went over well, right? Like his designs already passed the the fan test. Right. People liked him. So and they, they didn't use those designs directly because I think I think those designs are a little are still a little too hewing too close to reality. But I think by bringing him on, they were able to pick his brain about like, 
what decisions he made to kind of allow the Pokemon to retain their original proportions and designs and be recognizable while using realistic textures. Because the last thing you want is the like super Smash Brothers effect where it's just like Mario, but with real jeans. (laughs) He does wear real jeans in Super Smash Brothers. There's so much... The denim is is so high quality. It's, it's so like, realistic. Why? <laughs> I should not be able to see the individual follicles of Mario's hair, and yet I can. Yeah, yet. <laughs> so we, th- we this is pretty familiar territory. Mewtwo breaks out of a lab. Yep, it's sort of his thing. Hey, have you heard of Mewtwo? Have you heard the good news? <laughs> Have you heard the good news? My guy needs to stop getting put in labs. Like <laughs> it's happened at least twice. <sighs> they say in this movie, and I was gonna say this later, but here we go. They say in this movie that he broke out of a lab twenty years ago in Kanto, which means that this movie canonically takes place at least ten years after Ash Ketchum's adventures. I mean, you say canonically. I think it was just a wink nudge to the fact that 20 years before this, the game This movie, mm-hmm, yeah. But, yes, there is there is definitely a bit there that's like, wait, so what does that mean for this character? It means, well, and it means that, that uh, the red XP at the beginning, in the battle scene that you see that is kind uh-huh. of mimicking the intro to the original Game Boy game, could just be 21-year-old Red or Ash, depending on right. your preference. How do you feel about um, about our main character, uh, Tim Goodman? Mewtwo? Oh. <laughs> yes, our main character, Mewtwo. I will tell you what I like about Tim. He is maybe the perfect... He's the perfect protagonist for this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I have, like, minor issues with him as a character. Like, oh, why did he make this? It's just important. But that's fine. That's just, like, movie stuff. The reason he's a great protagonist is we need to know in this movie that when people catch a Pokemon in this world, they're catching one Pokemon. It is their partner. They, like, together with this Pokemon basically go about their normal lives and do their normal jobs. It's like a world where everyone has a therapy dog. Yes, pretty much Which sounds amazing. Yeah, you know what? (laughs) Some of your therapy dogs can shoot fire if you want. So that's why he's great, because he doesn't have a Pokemon. So his friend tells him that he's been scoping out this Cubone for him. Cubone, if if you don't know, is called the Lonely Pokemon. I take issue with the idea that every Cubone is wearing its mother's skull, because that's just not tenable in the long term. But that is the lore. And it's always crying because it misses its mom because sure. Well, there's no such thing as mommy issues with mommy. And so Tim goes to catch this cubone and this cubone wrecks his shit. That's great. I enjoy him getting absolutely destroyed. It, Which also sets the tone for what the violence of this is going to be, which is also good. There are some things that happen later that... Had the stakes not been established here early on, I'd be like, that person's dead. But because we're in like a semi-Looney Tune world, I'm like, oh, that guy's probably fine. 
There are some people that are definitely dead, but they refuse to say it. No, they're fine. They're fine. There's a scientist, okay? There's a okay, scientist. Yes. <laughs> She's dead, right? She... Okay, yeah, she, unless... No, yeah, she's dead. She's definitely dead. She's, she's like, super, super defo dead, and, like, nobody's saying anything about it. Yeah, unless Mewtwo psychically made all of that glass miss her, she went through... We saw what happened to the door of that facility. Like, that woman is a shadow on the ground. If I was Mewtwo... I would not go to the trouble of making all of the glass miss her. No. In fact, I would probably make all of it hit her on purpose. Yeah, why not? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, actually, how dare you? Who's going to convict me? <laughs> There's no crime. <laughs> There's no legal system in Pokemon, but there are cops. <laughs> there, there are cops. My favorite thing about this movie, actually... Is that spoiler? Pikachu's a cop. However, Pikachu hates cops. Yes. Pikachu like multiple times talks about like not going to the cops because like they won't understand or they can't help and all this stuff. And it's like Pikachu does not trust like the actual institutions that he is working for. I have to imagine. That that's just a result of like watching all of those old detective movies. Like, listen, I've seen movies. You can't trust cops. So, out of curiosity, do you think that Pikachu, the character as Pikachu, was watching those movies alone in that apartment? Because the TV was on. Yes. Okay. Let's 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 take a step back. We are we're tw- that's twenty minutes into the movie already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tim Goodman uh, doesn't have a Pokemon. And I think one of the other good things about his his character is that it feels like him not having a Pokemon has kind of unstuck him from society. Like, Mm -hmm. he is an outsider because of this, and he refuses to acknowledge it. Speaking of which, can I bring up another person who might, may or may not be dead, but they're certainly not saying? Mm -hmm. His grandmother is maybe dead? We only see her in flashbacks. I think his grandmother, I think the implication is that his grandmother has also passed away and that he's just there by himself. Right. Because his friend, the reason his friend wants him to catch Pokemon is because he's leaving. And he's like his last friend from college still in town. Well, and his friend mentions that no one else he knows is in town. And I think the implication is like, you have nothing keeping you here. Why are you still here? Right. Right. And he, his friend just wants him to have like something. Just like you know, have a therapy dog, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But but he doesn't catch the Cubone, and so he's it's just him alone working at this insurance company. I have no problem with people who work at insurance companies. I'm sure if that's your whole thing, you are a pretty sad person, because I, I imagine it's mostly moving data around. You can't be friends with spreadsheets, though. What if you have a Porygon? Okay, well, maybe maybe <laughs> you can be friends with spreadsheets then. Um, but well, he doesn't have one either, so... No, they're not in this movie. Um, I think it's good to to, to establish that this is... That, that the, the act... I don't know how to say this, right? But, like, I think everybody... Or maybe not everybody. Maybe I'm just showing my whole ass here. I think mm-hmm. what I feel like everybody... 
everybody feels like they've missed something in in society. Okay, so not only is this probably true in general, but specifically it would be true about this generation who just spent two years inside. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Sometimes I will go back and watch a movie and think, wow, this feels prescient just because I, I spent like an entire year and a half indoors. Especially as a teenager. I think teenagers especially mm-hmm. um, have have this feeling of, like, I missed the how to be a human class in school and and everybody knows that I missed it. And I think the great thing about having a main character in this film be somebody who has like a tangible reason why they are kind of unable to move forward with their life mm-hmm. is it makes him not only relatable, but also makes you want to root for him because you want him to you want him to find that tangible thing and to to be able to live a life um, and not feel like you're stuck because you missed a choice. Because he is defined by one choice. Yeah, and and the whole movie is defined by him being stuck there until the the middle of the movie when the movie changes gears and Tim stops being our main character. Right. He gets a phone call. His dad's dead. Oops. His dad is Uh, dead. Oh, no. He gets on this train. The train, the only important thing about the train is it has... Actually, there is a Lickitung who licks him, and that's kind of important because it's nasty. It's also, this is genuinely a very important thing, but I'll let you get to your point. He's watching, it's like an introductory introductory video to the city he's going to, Mm -hmm. which is like built around the concept of coexisting with Pokemon. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, if you ask me like what fictional city would I want to live in, this is actually really up there because it has this idea, an idea that feels very Japanese actually, of like, building skyscrapers and having cars and still managing to to coexist with nature. Mm-hmm. Eco-futurism. Yes, precisely. The other important thing is that Pokemon battles are not allowed here. I think that's all of it. We're also kind of introduced to the two. I don't know if they're antagonists or just like big names in this movie, I guess. To Bill Nye, who plays... The science uh, guy? No, Bill... No, not Bill Nye. Bill Nye. It's gonna be the first and last time I say that. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so who, the, yeah, we're, we're introduced to the Clifford father and son duo. The son's the CEO and the father is the retired CEO who built the city apparently from nothing. Yeah, it's his legacy. He's the lone visionary. Mm-hmm. The Tony Stark, if you will. I, th- I think he's infinitely more interesting because he does something really weird in this movie that we're going to get to. <laughs> well, whenever Tony Stark gets too interesting, he becomes a villain. There's a fine line between Tony Stark and... Um, and Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom. Thank God I could not think of his name. <laughs> but it's precisely what I was going to say. Yeah, I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the line is magic. I want to talk about the Lickitung. Because I, I do think that the Lickitung scene is very important. Because too often in modern movies, which are primarily juxtapose cgi characters with live actors they don't get to touch each other it is a phenomenally huge problem and especially um like some of the newer star wars stuff and in some of the newer marvel movies lick his tongue gets to actually lick him there's there's interaction here it licks it licks him it licks him for real it touches him there's saliva on his face and he there's a lot of saliva 
there are constant moments in this movie where people are touching Pokemon and Pokemon are touching them back. And I wish I'd have said that better. But it matters because it 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 means that even though these Pokemon look like weird little freaks, they feel more real. They have like a physicality. The, uh, yeah, because because there's a there's a a tangibility to them. Yes, to bring back Star Wars for half a second, it's like the Grogu Muppet or the or the Yoda Muppet, and then in the prequels, they didn't actually use the Muppet, and that's why it felt weird. It's better when something is physically there and you can like see it and touch it. Even if we, even if the CGI is so good that we don't see the difference, really, we know there's a difference. A great example is this is the big one for me was Avengers Endgame, where. They were constantly talking about how, like, oh, these suits that we made for them aren't real. They're all CGI. And immediately my brain was like, that's why that whole movie felt weird. Because there was never a moment in that movie where somebody unzipped or adjusted themselves. And it's people touch themselves a lot. But when you're told you can't touch your neckline, I need to keep, I need to, there has to be a better way of saying this, right? But like, making that my ringtone. We're tactile creatures, and, you know, if your shirt is uncomfortable, you adjust it by pulling on the collar, but when you're told you can't touch your neckline because it's going to interfere with our ability to, like, properly physics this suit that we're building on top of you, then mm-hmm. all you can do to adjust yourself is, like, roll your shoulders. Um, and and once you notice that, you notice it the entire time. They're never touching anything. Anything that isn't specifically made for them to touch, they're not touching it. And it's it's weird. It feels alien. It feels like it doesn't feel like you're watching people in a space doing things. It feels like you're watching actors on a stage trying not to touch boxes. It it completely like readjusts the performances and it also ruins the your ability to like tangibly believe that anything is happening. But in this Pokémon movie where all the Pokémon look like little freaks, um, and the CGI is genuinely not that good. It's more believable because they're like, you know, interacting with each other and like pushing mm-hmm. on things. And it just, it, the world breathes and breaks and changes and shifts in, in, in ways that aren't real, but feel more real. How do you think they got the look at Tumblr? I, I think, I think they had a guy with a wet pad in a green suit just walk up to him and just start rubbing his hand up his cheek. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. I love it. And, and, and a large part of why it works is a testament to these actors, right? Like every single one of them is like hitting those beats very well. So Tim goes to Rhyme City, that's what it's called. And he has an incredibly awkward conversation with Ken Watanabe. That I love. I I felt so awkward just sitting there watching it. This guy was basically like, you know, your dad really cared about you. Uh, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. I I don't <laughs> know you, and I don't know him. Right. <laughs> like, um, I love that conversation so much because it it feels like real conversations I've had before. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird. It's 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 like that kind of thing where, like, you know, if you know, and we're probably too young to really see, see this a lot, but if you know somebody's somebody and they have a kid, you kind of feel like you by proxy know their kid. So you mm-hmm. can kind of see what this captain's going through. 
where he's like trying to connect with this kid that he doesn't know through his dad and his uh, like probable grief there, right? Except there isn't exactly, he's not exactly grieving. That's not like the right word for it. Um, he's cutting and running is the clo- is what I can is I think the the closest thing I can say. It's like he lost his dad like twenty years ago and never dealt with it uh, because his dad was still around and now his dad's not around and now he has to deal with it and there's no like structure there for him to do that with anymore. So he makes his way back to his dad's apartment and that's when we're introduced to Detective Pikachu, who's got a little hat. He does have a little hat. I love that this, apparently this little hat is is the aesthetic choice of the actual Pikachu. It's his hat. And I also love that everyone is like, why the fuck does he have a hat? That's weird. <laughs> it's weird that he has a hat. He's like a little human. Well, I'll tell you what. There actually is something that Jamie pointed out that I have to agree with on a certain level. The Pokemon should have names. Yeah. If you don't really know Pokemon that well, it is easier for people to be referring to them as Pikachu or Psyduck or Apom, which is about to show up. But they should have names because everybody calls this Pikachu Harry's Pikachu, and it's not that useful, and it sounds weird after a while. Or they after say a while. to Tim, they're like, you're Pikachu partner, and it's like, that's that can't be the way to say this, right? This is too much. I have to imagine that there was a lot of arguments over whether or not to have nicknames for the Pokemon. I, I don't know what the right answer is, though. I definitely think it's weird, but I also think you you do run the risk of um of people just going, my favorite Pokemon is Eric. That's the so issue, right? It's, it, the, the, it's a problem that really only exists because Pokemon is such a big brand and you don't want any of that brand to be obfuscated. So, so Harry finds this juice. A tube of R. It's labeled R, which is a, a, a fun little Easter egg. Yes. It's on his dad's desk. And he pops it open. And it must be under immense pressure. Because so much purple mist comes shooting out of this stuff. And he's like coughing up and he opens a window. And he shoots it all out into the, into the air outside. And then it drives mad a group of apalm, which are monkeys, but at the end of their tails, they have another hand. This is the scariest scene of the movie. It is very intense. It's like, um, it's like a horror action movie scene. It's like being chased, um, and I'm annoyed at myself that I said horror action movie and then this was the only thing I could think of. It's like being chased by gremlins. Gremlins are a joke horror monster, but still... Something small, but could, like, totally kick your ass if it got a hold of you. They're chased by the APOM out onto the street. I don't like that Ryan Reynolds can only play one character now, and that character is just Deadpool. I find it very frustrating. This is possibly the best use of that. It's sort of like Eddie Murphy as Mushu, where you're like, this actor and his characters can be kind of a lot. But when put into like an adorable little animated body, that works. Yeah. And I remember when it was announced that Ryan Reynolds is going to be the voice of Detective Pikachu. I was like, I was a little abrasive because <laughs> uh, I was already tired of, of, of it. 
but I think I think he does a good job. I think he tones I think he tones it down a lot for this role because it's one it's it's a kids movie, so he he doesn't have he doesn't you know he's not saying bad words, which is nice. Um, two, I also think he's just less. He's not an asshole. He's he's a, like Pikachu is very earnest and like wants to help and wants to do good things. And it's such <laughs> a it's such a like nice reprieve to have a character that just wants to you know change the world and solve crimes right he is he is sarcastic and sardonic and ridiculous but his goals are nice goals which is a shift from like for instance deadpool who is just an asshole (laughs) yeah i i also think that the the bounce back between um between justice smith and ryan reynolds in these scenes is fantastic Mm -hmm. Uh, they have a really good chemistry it's actually kind of weird that it works. I mean, you were just talking about, like, physicality. I don't know if Ryan Reynolds was in the room for any of this, you know? Yeah. Or if this is just a well-directed movie. Like, I don't know how you get good reactions to somebody who's not there. I'm genuinely curious. I didn't have time, because uh, I've, I've, it's been very busy lately, uh, to, to do any, like, hard research into how this movie was made. I, I would be genuinely very shocked if Ryan Reynolds wasn't at least in the room with him for rehearsals and shooting so that they kind of knew what they wanted out of him, out of, Ju- right. out of Justice Smith, if that is just just it's- him acting to nothing, that is fucking impressive. Uh, and he deserves a commendation for it because he, you couldn't tell at all. He doesn't slip up once and neither does, um, oh, I wish I, I, I noted her name, but I didn't because the credits were going by too quickly. Catherine Newton. Also does a fantastic job. Although I think her, it's a lot easier. She mostly interacts with her Psyduck. And Psyduck's just a Psyduck. Yeah, it's just a Psyduck. It's not talking back to her. So I can imagine them just having like a big old plush for her to just move around and have on her back and stuff. But I'm still impressed by by Justice Smith's performance because yeah, like it's so hard. And if you if and I if you haven't seen the behind the scenes of how they made um, Star Wars Episode Two, it's really hard apparently uh, for for actors to like act when there is it's just them when it's just them and no one else is in the room. So that's true, but it's also more normal now. Like the big thing about stuff like about like. Star Wars Episode 2 is it was kind of the first time that it had been tried. But since then, we've had a lot of movies. I mean, you're talking about the Marvel movies or like the Transformers movies. Not that I'd say that everybody in those is doing a great job. But there are a <laughs> lot of movies. There are a lot of movies where like somebody has to act across from somebody who isn't really there. Yeah. Or who or or they have to react to a thing that's not really happening. You know, I definitely think so. But I still I don't think it's I still don't think it's the norm. I still don't. And also, I don't think it's a thing that like you're trained for. Right. Even though even even though it is standard now, I don't think any actor like looks forward to it. And also, it's not what you want to be doing as an actor. Right. Like famously during the the making of the Hobbit films, Ian McKellen had um, had a really hard time because it was so against what he was trained to be as an actor, as a as a stage actor and a Shakespearean actor, that to to act to lights, right? Like it was unnatural for him, and he was very frustrated with the entire process. And I think even if it happens more often, the fact that we are pushing so hard to move away from green screen, especially with these newer Star Wars um, shows where they have that big weird like soundstage that they're using now, 
mm-hmm. tells me that it will never become the norm because I think at the end of the day, what actors want is to react to people. There should be that physicality, right? There should yeah. be, you can reach out and touch the background or the person mm-hmm. you are playing against or something. But for whatever reason, it's working in this thing. And I think a big part of it is because this movie has sets. <laughs> that could be, that could be it. I, I mean, there is a real physicality to this world. Like, he, he runs out of an alley to a fucking... Oh, yeah, to the market. It's like a... It's almost like a street fair. Like, it's like it's such a big, bustling market. And there's so many Pokemon there. And it's, like, genuinely mind-blowing uh, how... I think every frame of this movie, there is always a Pokemon for you to look at. I had a minute where I stopped and laughed. Because I just realized it was somebody's job to figure out which Pokemon are going to be in what scene. And there's Fuck. always a Pokemon in the scene. <laughs> there is somebody had a list of 800 fake animals and had to cross <laughs> them off. So there are the obvious ones, right? Which like later we're going to get into Charizard. Charizard was written in. Yeah. And Gyarados was written in. The big ones were written in. But somebody had to be like, I think the captain has a snubble. (laughs) (laughs) Even like a, like a less serious like decision, right? Like, cause there, there, there are things that had to have been written in, in the script, right? Like he's going to be chased by a palm. This is the Torterra garden. The captain has a snubble. These are all things that. Torterra garden's gorgeous. I love that. It's it, right. It's so good. It's such a good moment, but I, they're even harder than that. Right. It's like, okay, we filmed the movie. We we have all the main Pokemon roughed in. Now we have to replace all of these other things. We have to put Pokemon everywhere else. And that's it. That has to be like endless arguments behind closed doors of people. One, wanting their favorite Pokemon in there. Or wanting like weird shit. There's a Lucario who serves drinks. Lucario. Yeah, stuff like if that. I was, if I was listing like best Pokemon to serve drinks, he wouldn't be in the top hundred. He has it's hands. It's a weird little creep. <laughs> Lucario, Lucario makes sense, if you, especially if you have like an island-themed place. Uh, but it was just so weird to see Lucario because they are like one of the weirder Pokemon. One of the weirder looking Pokemon. Are you sure you mean Lucario? No. Shit. Because <laughs> I just realized who you were talking about. And I don't think they're Lucario. Oh my god, I keep saying Lucario, that's the stupid punchy one. Yeah, that's the Smash Bros one. Yeah, that's the Smash Bros one. God, this is gonna be... Here, I can figure this out. Lo... Oh my god. Ludi... Okay, I don't even feel bad about this. Its name is Ludicola. That's it, Ludicola. That is a weird choice, for sure. Um, because he's just this weird, like... Honestly, if you look at the anime version, kind of looks like a Muppet... One of the Muppets yeah. that, like, there's a human in there, a full-sized human. And they did make it look like that, too, which is very good. Yeah, and I know I said it before, but one of the things I genuinely love about this movie is how they will not shy away from having Pokemon be very off-putting and weird. <laughs> Pikachu orders a drink from this Ludicolo. He goes, <laughs> and drinks him a drink. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, there's there's a moment in this movie where we get to see a Gengar, and it's horrifying. It is a horrible looking thing. 
it is in this fight, and I I looked at I looked at for a second, and I'm like, that Gengar wins. <laughs> I don't see I don't see this thing losing a fight against anything. Again, uh, yeah. If I I look at it, I surrender. It's like a poison cloud of ghost is what and it teeth. is. It's so intense. And it's- teeth are so big they go to get a to get a coffee because pikachu is addicted to coffee and talk about what they know of the case and pikachu is convinced that harry isn't dead because he's not dead and they were both supposed to have died in that car crash Mm -hmm. so he thinks that they can like backwards solve the case that harry was on and it would lead them to harry yes Harry or the person who supposedly killed them. I need to clarify something real quick. So Harry is not part of the police. <sighs> I think he is. He doesn't have an office. And he was hired to track down. I think he's, I think he's. Wow. Hmm. Is he not? Maybe he's not. I thought well, the first time I saw it, I thought he was, he was just a cop. But in this second viewing, I was like, maybe he's. Maybe he's just a private eye. He's just like a really clean private eye. It kind of makes more sense if he is a private eye. They should have made it more clear. (laughs) They should have made that more clear. Honestly, before you said it, before you asked the question, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, Because I remember being irritated when I was watching this movie because I was like, you don't hire a cop to find a Pokemon. (laughs) But it would make a lot of sense if he actually was a private eye. I wish it had said P.I. on his door or something. Yeah, in his apartment door or something. Just like a basic private eye thing. We meet the reporter before this, around this time. I feel terrible that I just I just watched this movie, but I didn't take any notes. So what's great about her is she is she is introduced after her Psyduck, and the Psyduck watches Harry go through that door and he like looks over and he's like, Why is the, the Psyduck fuck? watching me? What what does he say? He says, Are you here to scare me or rob me? <laughs> So it just, like, creeps behind the, the trash can or something. What I kind of like about her is she, she, Lucy is, I think, her name, right? Le- yes, yes. She believes that she is in a noir film. And she kind of is, so good on her for that. But she, like, she, like, starts every conversation like she is the main character of a noir film. One, she's in a different movie, and that's great. Uh-huh. But two, she is the protagonist of whatever movie she's in. And I love that for her. I like her character so much. And I think she provides a really good foil for Tim because unlike Tim, she knows exactly where she wants her life to go. And she has yes. and she is running after it. She's not waiting for the world to let her be a world class reporter. She's just doing it. Not doing it super well or else she wouldn't be an intern. Well, she's doing it pretty well. She's doing it okay. She she has hooked the idea of doing this story, and she wants to find out what the story is. I love their interactions so much. I think they also, that uh, Catherine Newton and Justice Smith also have really good chemistry in this film. There is a thing that um, I think Justice Smith is really good at, which is he's really good at, like, switching up his energy, depending on whether he's responding to her or Pikachu. <laughs> It's a thing that I think a lot of actors don't do. A lot of actors will do the thing. Like Tom Holland, who's a great Peter Parker, is kind of the same mumblecore teen, regardless of what he's doing. And that's fine. It works perfectly well for his interpretation of the character. But 
it's it's always nice to see like an actor who can like who can do that 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 subtle energy t- change of like I'm excited to talk to this person. I am not excited to talk to this person. Right. And he does it again uh, at the at the midpoint of the movie uh, when they go back to um, Detective Watanabe's office. That's not his name. The man's name is Ken Watanabe. I don't know his his. He's not a detective yeah, but, in real life. <laughs> but that, for some reason, I don't even follow this actor. But that's what I think of him as: Detective Watanabe. Detective Watanabe. Detective Yoshida. I don't want to obsess over Justice Smith's performance. It's just it is really good, and and because he is the main character in a movie that is primarily him interacting with CGI elements. It is just so impressive. And I, I, I will stop talking about it after this, but I just have to really hammer that point home. So what happens next? So they, they decide that they're going to go talk to Lucy at her job. This is when we see the thing that I was kicking myself. When I watched the movie the first time, I started kicking myself. I was like, you idiot. You know Pokemon lore. You know when regular Ditto can't turn into a human, and you ignored that. You ignored that that happens. It just happens in front of you. It just happens right there. The Ditto turns into a human, and I know Ditto can't do that. That's like the restriction of Ditto. They can turn into anything else except a human. His son even says, and nobody likes your Pokemon. Nobody likes your Pokemon. He means this Pokemon that you made in a lab is creepy. It's fucking creepy. We don't like that. <laughs> and I didn't even, I didn't even get it. Uh, I just thought, oh, hey, it's kind of nice that the uh, disabled guy has a Pokemon that can push him around. It's a Ditto. It's nice. It's it should, a human. And, 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 and dummy, dummy, if, he, if that were true, <laughs> he would have just had a Machamp. <laughs> Yeah, or a Chansey. I feel like I feel like Chansey's oh, the yeah, big nurse Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> didn't even think of it. A fool. The whole movie is filled with like little clues to let you know that Bill. Not spoiler alert. That Bill Nye is the true villain. It's wild. So it's. I think watching the movie, I think it's obvious that he is a villain. Yeah, I did not realize that he was the villain when I first watched it. Yeah. You you think of him? You expect him to be like a like Giovanni, right? Just like a guy in the shadows doing bad stuff. But he's like way worse. He's way worse. Um, for all things, he's good at it. Giovanni was never good at it. No, I don't think Giovanni could have ever gotten as close to completing a villainous scheme as as uh, Clifford, the big red dog. He could get away with anything. I'd forgive him. Um, but you. It, <laughs> So they go down to like this news station, right? And they are, the Cliffords are recording this promo for this huge parade they're going to throw. Because it's like, I don't know, the anniversary of the founding of the city or something. What? Yeah. And Tim goes to talk to Lucy right after Lucy gets shot down in a way that, again, this should have been a good clue that this guy wasn't actually a villain. She tries to talk to the CEO of her company about a news story that she has. And he says, you can't run a news story unless you, like, have evidence for it. Find evidence and we'll run your story. Which, one, that's, like, way nicer than he needed to be about it. Then he tells her that she's wearing bad clothes. And I was like, maybe he is a villain. But I think that was supposed to be a red herring moment. Yeah, yeah. He, this, well, and and it also, one other thing he does is when he talks to her, he pulls down his sunglasses so that he can look her in the eye. 
it's dude it's wild how much effort they put into this movie (laughs) so but after that tim and lucy go to like talk about what they can do to actually research this this crime and lucy mentions that his dad had a source at the docks so they go down to the docks this is a fun scene. It's also a scene that you can watch, I think, in its entirety on YouTube. It yes. was like the scene that they used to promote this movie. They knew what they had. It turns out the informant is a Mr. Mime, mm-hmm. which is one of the creepier Pokemon and maybe like literally the second worst one. I mean, I, I think it depends on what your definition of worst is. I mean, maybe there are other bad Pokemon, but I don't think you can get worse than Jinx. I think Jinx is the worst, for sure. The worst, because Jinx is a weird racist uh, character that yeah. honestly should just not exist. This Mr. Mime is a mime, and they have to figure out how to talk to it like it. So there's this whole fun scene where they have to like get into its head. They have to mime an interrogation, and it's so much fun. Something that May pointed out is Pikachu is in this scene really bad at interpreting mimes... Uh, Miming, which means that his dad was really bad. Was probably at dis- and and and. But maybe uh, Pikachu was good at it. Yeah, and so so uh, May, May was telling me, do you think do you think the reason Mister Mime was not excited to see them was because he was trapped with them for hours while <laughs> while uh detect while Detective Dad had to like really. F- struggle to figure out what he was saying <laughs> stop telling me i miss my son <laughs> i do like idea pikachu does keep on trying to turn mr mime's clues into like personal revelations so mr mime tells him about this like underground pokemon fighting club where they produce this r where it's distributed yeah it's being distributed at this place so they go to this they go to this place and the guy who I guess runs this Pokemon fighting ring, is, like, very aggro about Pikachu being here because Pikachu electrocuted his blast, or his, uh, his Charizard, and messed up his coat. But Tim says they can have a rematch if he tells them where the R is coming from. So they go in for a rematch, and did we mention that Pikachu has amnesia? It's kind of oh. Yeah, so Detective Pikachu doesn't remember anything about what happened, doesn't remember whose Pikachu they are, or even who Harry Goodman is. They just had the name on the hat. Yeah, all he knows is that he has a name on the hat, and he knows he's a detective. And for some reason, he can talk to Tim. So one of the things that Pikachu doesn't remember how to do, though, is uh, how to fight. (laughs) Any of his moves. This Pikachu can't even do, like, quick attack, probably. And meanwhile, this guy doses up his... He roids up his Charizard. With this R, which of course makes the Charizard go crazy. Bananas. And this is a really fun fight scene, partially because at at one point, Tim has to like run in there and like he steps on the Charizard's tail. Attempted murder. Which is, yeah, if you put out that fire, he could die. Or will die? Like, a, a Charizard is a it's, a, it's a, it's like a salamander. It's like based on legendary salamanders yeah. who are connected to a particular fire. And if the fire goes out, they die. And that fire is on his tail. So he like stops on it to get to not eat Pikachu. So there's like this fight where it's Tim and Pikachu versus a giant fire breathing lizard. And the proprietor of this establishment 
who love this guy, by the way. I uh, This guy isn't anybody. I think he's like a radio host from Mexico. Really? I don't know how he got this gig. He's really hamming it up. Like, he is... Having the best time. He gets in there to try to get Tim off his Charizard. <laughs> they fight, and then he, he accidentally breaks, like, all the vials of E in his... I love his reaction to the vials breaking is not to be like, no, the vials. It's to open up his coat and yeah. be like, no. <laughs> it's great. It's so great. Funny. And it's spewing everywhere in all the Pokemon. And there are a lot of Pokemon. This is an underground battle ring. All the Pokemon are going crazy. Including the subwoofer Pokemon, which was really cool for the soundtrack. The di- There was diegetic sound in this scene, which I always love it when, when a movie soundtrack is diegetic. It was great. And this scene ends with Pikachu grabbing a Magikarp and throwing it at the the Charizard because he knows the Magikarp can evolve into Gyarados and that Gyarados can take out this Charizard. And the Magikarp just flops around. And then the, like, purple light fades from the Charizard's eyes and he's normal again. And And then the Magikarp evolves. Perfect. That is like perfect comedic timing. I love it. I also love that the the Magikarp doesn't get, doesn't go crazy because it's in a fish tank and it can't breathe the air. And so it just turns to a Gyarados and the Gyarados is just mad about being thrown around. Gyarados traditionally angry at existing. (laughs) The world knows what it did. (laughs) So they get arrested and, uh, uh, Detective Yoshida is like, this is not how I wanted tonight to go for you. What's going on? Tim tries to explain everything to him, and he's like, listen, your dad's dead. Maybe his Pikachu's alive, sure. But I'm going to show you uh, raw, uncut footage of your dad dying, which I just have loaded up right here because I just love watching it. Um, hey, do not kink shame him. <laughs> I think Yoshida's projecting a little bit onto Tim. <laughs> I think he really misses Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is something that I, I think this turn is important to like have the moment of no, he's dead. It, I feel like it is a little too soon that they go into actually he's alive. But also, I understand that you can't keep somebody on a hook that long, you know? No, the movie has already done so much up until this point. Anytime we have a flashback, we don't get to see his dad's face at all. It's to preserve the twist, right? And like... Right, right. That happens until almost the end of the movie, actually. Yeah. Actually, I think the end of the movie. I don't think we ever see him straight on. No, not until the very end. And I'm, I want to take a moment here. I'm, I'm going to speak directly to to any anybody who put out a YouTube video that was talking about how dumb this twist was and how dumb it was that they tried to keep it a secret. I'm sorry that you're too stupid to understand that this is a movie made for children. What's wrong with this twist? It's a solid twist. It's a solid twist. It's a good twist. It, it's There's one aspect of the twist that doesn't make sense. But the twist itself is fine. The twist itself is solid. And if you figured it out, like, yeah, you're like, it's, it's not a hard twist to figure out. No. But if you're a kid, your mind, especially because of how they do the reveal, is like, 
oh my god that's his dad yeah and i just i saw so many like grown ass men like (laughs) mad that this twist was was such a secret and it's like get over yourself like you're not special like twists a good twist is a twist that can be pieced together with clues coherent to the narrative and yet when it is revealed you're still in awe of the work to me, the important part of the twist is that it's satisfying, that it makes sense yeah. to the world you've created. Prestige. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this as as the co-host of a podcast where we talk about movies. Grown men have the worst opinions. It's true. <laughs> I try very hard to not be like the other people doing this. No, I do too, because like, and so, so you have to remind yourself, especially when you're watching a movie that's made for children. Not not that children are like dumb or anything, but it's a fundamentally different audience. It's an audience that is still growing and learning, and you know, mm-hmm. figuring out their place in the world. And this movie's great. <laughs> it's a good one. I think there's a culture in the world today to just find things to be mad about for the sake of being mad about them. And I just think that's a really, it's a bad way to approach anything. What are you yelling about? Oh my God. So after they watch this movie, that's like, wow, your dad's dead. They get picked up in a car that Pikachu's like, that's an evil car. (laughs) That is an evil car. That is an evil car. They get picked up and brought to the Elder Clifford, who has statues of the three Pokemon gods. Which should be a dead giveaway. And, and, okay, here's the problem with the statues of three Pokemon gods. Can I say it? I'm gonna say it. Pikachu says later in this scene, if Mewtwo is made for Mew, he must be the most powerful Pokemon ever. While sitting under statues of three gods who are also Pokemon. Okay, but in the fiction, right, nobody knows if these Pokemon actually exist. Unless they do, I literally don't know. Yeah, unless, I mean, in the fiction of the games and the movies that I've seen, all of the god-tier Pokemon, including Mew, they're all theoretical. Well, they they call them legendary, right? Yeah. They are a legend. Which which means, like Sasquatch, they might not exist. I'm going to take an aside (laughs) here to just, I don't believe in Sasquatch. (laughs) So, yes, but... As soon as they're like, Harry's dead, they get this new video. It's actually like a 3D projection. This feels more like a Yu-Gi-Oh thing than a Pokemon thing, but it's fine. I'll roll with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That shows the car crash and Harry crawling out of it. And it shows shows Mewtwo abducting him like an alien. Yeah, which, love it. It's great. And so he's like, so you have to find Mewtwo now. Because he knows where your dad is. He, if anyone knows what happened to your dad, it's the Pokemon that maybe kidnapped him. I want to take. I want to. I want to rewind a little bit to talk mm-hmm. about two things. When Tim finds out his dad is dead, he has a moment with Pikachu. This is where the movie changes gears a little bit. This is him going through the actual grieving process, right? Like mm-hmm. up until this point, Tim has been running away from all of his problems. He has been, I mean, for most of the movie, he's been active denial. Pikachu says, yeah. your dad's alive. And he's like, sure, yes. 
whatever. And so this is the point where he has to sit down and really accept it. And like, my dad's dead or he, like, he might really be dead. At the end of all of this, um, he, he kind of explains to, to Pikachu, like, his whole, his whole deal. He says at the end, I haven't been really nice to you. <laughs> and that is such a, like, a young thing, like a thing that young people do. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. just like, oh, and also in this moment, I'm realizing that I've been kind of a dick because I've been, like, dealing with my shit, and I want to apologize for that. And, like, it's nice to see somebody go through the whole grieving process in a movie. And, yeah, it does kind of feel shitty that they are immediately like, no, your dad's alive, and now you need to go find him again. I can kind of, in my mind, compare this to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which also almost out of nowhere, had, like, a genuine grieving moment before it had to go back to being, like, an action movie. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if kids' movies are getting better with that or if all movies are getting better with that, but it feels like there are a few in recent memory that will, like, give you that moment of catharsis before you have to move on. I think Into the Spider-Verse definitely won. It does it a lot better because... Oh, that one hits it way harder and hits it very well. This one, you, you, there's literally like one conversation before. <laughs> literally the next scene. Um, yes. But also in, Into the Spider-Verse has, has uh, the, the grieving, the grieving moment is, is set aside, but it, it culminates, right? We come back to right. it um, and uh, at the climax in a way that is really powerful, right? Like, Grief doesn't make Miles weaker. It makes him stronger. It makes him a, a fulfill. It fulfills him in in a way, right? Like it helps him become. It helps him realize who he wants to become. Uh, mm-hmm. And God, that scene makes me cry every time I watch it. Um, this movie, it's a. It it is instead used as a as a kind of a handoff moment because this is the moment where Tim stops being the main character, right? He has learned mm-hmm. the lesson he needs to learn. He's learned to run at the world instead of away from it, and now. Pikachu's the main character. Because Pikachu has not learned the meaning of his existence at all. Why is he here? So, time to go find Mewtwo. So I guess they pile into Lucy's tiny car. Love this car. Love this scene. Uh, Pikachu points out constantly that, like, Psyducks are walking nuclear explosions waiting to happen. So, (laughs) they are listening to spa music in this car so that... Psyduck does not get stressed because if he gets stressed, he'll get a headache and he will have, he'll basically shoot psychic waves everywhere and nobody wants that. And Psyduck is like using this as an excuse to get like foot rubs from Pikachu. You don't hear Psyduck's end of the conversation, but at one point Pikachu does say, of course I care about the kid. What are you talking about? <laughs> and when they talk about how they how um there's like a disgraced Pokemon uh psychologist working at this lab, Pikachu's like, oh, well maybe she can find out the long-term effects of sitting in a baby seat next to a bomb. It's great. This the whole thing's solid. That disgraced scientist is is probably the one hard death count of the movie. Oh I cannot imagine. There are other scientists in that room. I have to imagine that they're all okay to bad. They weren't in front. Yeah, they weren't in front, though. Most of the energy went straight forward, it seemed like. 
Also, Mewtwo's opening line, like the first thing he says to Pikachu after he escapes is, humanity is evil, which makes me think that she he probably didn't try to save her. He probably didn't try very hard, although it turns out that was an edited version of what he said. Yeah, he, I mean, it still is what he said. <laughs> He said, I used to think all of humanity was evil or something. Like, something slightly less terrible. <laughs> so, they sneak into this lab. Lucy has brought bolt cutters and is just going right in. Nobody is thinking about the fact that there are definitely cameras. It's not even like, oh, they're an evil company, they have cameras. They're just like a company and they have cameras, you know? They have something to protect in there. The younger Clifford we see is spying on them through the camera system. And as they're exploring the facility, they play a recording, a raw uncut recording of this, of Mewtwo escaping and the scientist dying. And this is mm-hmm. our second clue as to who the real villain is, because this recording is made using his like weird, like hollow technology. Yes, with the holographic technology. See, at this point, I still thought, oh, they're both villains. Like they're obviously working mm-hmm. together on this. But me, mm-hmm. a fool. <laughs> Did not put it together. This twist must be satisfying because I'm still mad about it. When I, I think the first time I watched this movie, instantly I was like, okay, so Bill Nighy is the villain. If you have Bill Nighy in your movie and some other British guy, Bill Nighy is your villain just by, by law of associative actors. The big issue is if an actor is too big then they're the villain. That is true. That's a real problem with twist villains. You see it in in everything. Be- because you don't want to get like a lame actor to be your villain. But if the twist is important to the story, you should get a nobody if you can. It's a, t- it's a tough line to draw. And I think the correct answer, right, is they should have tried to get like another big famous British actor to be his son. You know, like a Tom Hiddleston to just really throw him on... Me off the set. Yes. The issue there is that, like, you probably don't want to pay that person that much. You don't want to be paying it's... for two villains. Anyway. So they're in this facility. While Tim is watching this, Lucy is taking pictures of the rest of their facility, which includes the creepiest looking Greninjas, which are like a ninja frog Pokemon. Yeah, and their their scarves are their tongues. That's weird. But also they're just very off-putting in and of themselves. They're like tree frogs, so they can like cling to stuff. They do look creepy, but they also look like, um, because you see one earlier in the film, there's one in that market. And I do think they managed to like draw the line of like, this is a cool looking Pokemon, but it also looks menacing, right? Mm-hmm. We see we see other like amphibious Pokemon and they still manage to make them look cute. Like the Newt, whose name escapes me, um, that's in the apartment. Oh, the Trico. Yeah, thank you, Trico. Yeah, no, he's, he's pretty cute. Uh, we're about to get to the cutest Pokemon. It'll actually be a little while, but damn, he's adorable. These Kredinja, they've all been experimented on to be, like, faster and stronger than normal. And, like, all of these Pokemon are being genetically engineered somehow. So Lucy gets attacked by them. Yeah, at one, I think at one point Lucy mentions, like, it, it, it feels like they're trying to improve on their evolutions. Which, which is, which is like, I, I love because it's a sentence that doesn't make sense. No. <laughs> um, unless you know what Pokemon is. I mean, I guess 
you know, the creation of modern sheep was improving on evolution. Does that count? <laughs> I, I would love to just pick up like an ear of corn and be like, it's trying, it's like they're trying to improve <laughs> on their evolutions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she gets attacked. Tim and Pikachu get attacked. They, they like all get attacked. There's, it's less of a fight scene and more of a chase scene. Very few fight scenes in this movie. Most of them are chases, I think. Very Indiana Jones. They run through the door to the Torterra Garden while these things are chasing them. They manage to escape them by having Psyduck do this weird explodey mind thing. Which wakes up the Torterra. <laughs> Disturbs the Torterra, which are the size of mountains. Now here's the only thing, is somebody would have known this was going on. <laughs> Those mountains would have had to have like shown up overnight. If I went to bed and I woke up and there was a new mountain, I would fucking notice. <laughs> like, There's a forest out there. I do love this scene, though. There's this great action scene which feels it, terrifying. Like, and gorgeous. The world is like crumbling apart and falling upon them. And it is, yes, it is so great to look at. It goes on for a while, but I don't hate it. It doesn't outlast its welcome. Also, it, it's one of the few moments in the movie where I was like, you could only do a shot like this in this Pokemon movie, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, of just like seeing the Torterra, like all like go back to sleep and like readjust themselves and just become the landscape again was so nice. It's so pretty. Yeah, and, like, it was gorgeous. Interesting. During this scene, Pikachu has gotten hurt. Yeah, Pikachu gets sniped by God. Yeah, it was very weird. He gets, like, hit by a rock, and he's, like, dying, I guess? Yeah, I mean, Pikachu isn't exactly a strong Pokemon. He just doesn't look that hurt, is the thing. So they ask a Bulbasaur for help, and I need to pause for a second, because I gotta say it. This Bulbasaur is the most adorable creature in this movie. I don't know why. I feel like every other Pokemon looks a little bit weird. And for some reason, these things just look absolutely gorgeous. Like, adorable. They are the cutest little fucking things of the three OG starter Pokemon. And we get to see mm -hmm. all three of them, right? Like, Bulbasaur looks so different from his original design. And yet, like, he doesn't come out with that like slight tinge of little gremlin energy that all the other Pokemon have. And it's, I don't know how they did it. <laughs> I, I don't know either. And there's this weird, beautiful, like very peaceful walk where they are leading him to a Pokemon who can heal Pikachu. And it is so strange because like this, this movie has been one, very action based. And then two kind of like crazy or even at parts like, ugly like on purpose right like it's looked very weird and just right here it's like this is this ju this part's just kind of nice and the great lead up is that then they lead him to Mewtwo who looks like he came out of Alien. I'm glad that they leaned into his just all of him is so fleshy in ways that you don't want him to be. He has such like an intense otherness he like so I feel like Mew, the design is kind of cat-like, and so you could have some of that in there. But it does, it does not come across as cat-like. It just looks like, he kind of looks like Voldemort. Like, he doesn't have a nose. Uh, he just looks, and his, his eyes are so big, and he's so angular. The, the bones on his chest are like, 
are like, yeah, they're they're so like they're jutting out in ways that are like feel uncomfortable to look at. What I love about Mewtwo in this is that he is not just the bad guy like he was in the last movie. However, when you look at him, you still kind of assume that he is because he's scary. You find out that um, Mewtwo specifically told Pikachu to bring him the boy. Right. Bring me the boy. But then he gets captured um, by the younger Clifford, who just kind of looks at everyone evilly as he does it. Like, hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> oh, so mad. So mad. He doesn't speak. <laughs> He's just kind of smirking, like just looking evil. How did I let them get away with this? He doesn't say words. Pikachu is shaken by this. And Pikachu is like, I've seen movies. I know what happens now. You found out that I've betrayed you, and now you have to be mad at me. <laughs> and Tim's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I think it's a little upset at the idea that he also maybe got Harry killed. Yeah, absolutely. But Tim's like, you didn't get Harry killed. He's like, that's that's not what happened. That can't be what happened. Like, he believes in Pikachu. But Pikachu's an amnesiac. He doesn't believe in himself. He doesn't know that he's not a backstabbing creature, right? Right. Um, he doesn't remember. So Pikachu needs some alone time, shocks Tim in the process. And Tim's like, well, all right, well, he's he's dealing with some stuff, but we got to go. We got to go tell um, Elder Clifford what happened here. Yeah, that's the smart move. As soon as he gets there, Bill Nighy has gone full Green Goblin mode. <laughs> doesn't even wait. He is. Hey. He does have some big Green Goblin energy, actually. He's got a son that he doesn't like. He really wants to kill Spider-Man. Yeah, I thought it was really weird when he throws Tim across the room and he's like, How dare you, (laughs) Spider-Man? We could rule the city together, you and I. Uh, that's not what happens. No, but he does put his brain into Mewtwo's body. Yeah, he does. This was the point in the theater where I was like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. So while we were watching this, Cheney went and checked the rating for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Its rating is not that good, which I thought what? was crazy. And she even saw a review that said that it did not take its premise to like absurd enough points. And I was like, this what? old man just uploaded his brain into an alien. <laughs> Like, what more do you need? This is it. And he's not even done. This is step one of his two-step plan. Yes. He believes that the way to save the human race is to make them, because, I'm sorry, we didn't get into this. He has a terminal disease. He's wheelchair bound. And whatever it is, it's pretty slow moving. So I guess he's all right for now. He has a terminal disease and he has become obsessed with the idea that humans cannot evolve, but Pokemon can. And Pokemon can evolve into the best versions of themselves. And so, he's like, I'm gonna (laughs) take humans and merge them into Pokemon, because I can do that now, because that's a thing Mewtwo can do. And if you are, if you are an active viewer at this point, and maybe you're older than like 12, you figure out the twist with Pikachu. Uh, good for you, I'm happy for you, but you don't need to be mad about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's I don't know. I don't know. It was it was it was wild to me that that had happened. Um, yeah. And then here's the thing, right, is and that's it. That's the whole plan, right? There's no there's no <laughs> that's 
It's so crazy. I mean, he built the city to like live side by side with Pokemon, but he actually built the city just so that he could fuse everyone in it with a Pokemon. So everybody would have a Pokemon partner or there would be a wild Pokemon near anybody so he could just blast them. By the way, that's also what this R is for. It makes it so that the Pokemon are crazy and they can't like fight off this mind meld. And then he does it. He just does it. And Lucy becomes a Psyduck and Detective Yoshida becomes a, becomes his snubble. I gotta say, if I have one complaint with this movie, it is that these characters did not get to do anything after this because that that is the funniest shit. <laughs> like, I want this I want this super serious detective to be the stubble for a while. <laughs> I yeah, I was like, you know what would be great? One, they got Ken Watanabe to say snubble, which is great. <laughs> I'm glad that they did that. You know, and they got the, um, the, they got, um, oh, I forget Lucy's actress's name again, but they got her to say Psyduck a bunch of times <laughs> too for, for, for that, which is also great. But I would have loved to see the three of them, the, the two of them and Pikachu work together to try and get to Tim a little bit more. That would have been fun. Yeah. But it didn't really happen. Once they're Pokemon, I guess the idea is that they are too fucked up. This is too weird. They can't deal. Yeah. They're too, they're going through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So then we cut to Pikachu, who is singing the Pokemon theme song and crying to himself. This is the funniest. This is the <laughs> funniest scene in the movie for me. It's so good. He's like, um, okay, come on, come I think Ryan Reynolds is way too old. Um, Bam. Kid on, idiot. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan Reynolds. You're 50. You look great, though. For 50. You look really good. <laughs> um, Go on with what you were saying. But yeah, he, he, he was, he, he was, he's a bit, I think he's a bit old to care about Pokemon at all, right? Like, I think. Because he would have been an adult when Pokemon came out. Yeah, he would have been an adult already. I think the, I think the oldest I think anyone could be and I have grown up with Pokemon is maybe 40. Um, and that's, and that's like, it came out when you were a teenager and you stuck with it, right? Right, like you had a Game Boy in college or something. No, no shame, no judging. Right, it's just, it's just, it's a generational thing. I don't know how much of a fan Ryan Reynolds was prior to this movie. I'm glad he put his everything into it, though. Right, you appreciate that. It feels really good, actually. It's a thing about these video game movies that happens all the time, where a lot of actors will just approach it as if it's just like a paycheck job, which is fine. That's it's your job to be an actor, right? But there's a level of like disinterest or ironic interest i think to a lot of them or the movie just isn't that good right sometimes you'll hear about an actor who's like yeah well my kid really liked this so he wanted me to be in it so i decided to do it and they like for some reason those people are always playing like the wildest roles uh and those are fun yeah but like when you think about like the marvel movies or something i think that every actor let's say most of them i think that most of the actors who are like playing the Marvel superheroes are really excited to do that. And that's one of the reasons those movies feel good. At first. Sure. At first. Some of them maybe fell off. There's a part of me that thinks Chris Evans must yeah. still be excited to do it. But like when when the excitement isn't there, I feel like you can feel that too. You're like, well, they no longer care, so I no longer care. Especially when you're making something that is aimed at like a child audience or a teen audience. 
what you need is that earnestness. Because if you come at it with anything less... We just watched Mewtwo Strikes Back, and there are parts of that where you're like, nobody cared when they were translating this movie, when they were like building up the lore. There's there's just bits that are phoned in, and it feels bad. They didn't believe in it. And that sucks. And the fact that in this movie, none of it feels phoned in. It, it feels like the world building is so on point. It feels like Ryan Reynolds gives a shit. It's almost scary, right? Like, everybody involved in this project must have clearly loved Pokemon. And that's amazing. One, I just think that's amazing, right? I think we can all, I think everybody, I think I think everybody kind of likes Pokemon now. And that's awesome. Um, but two, and this is a true story. So okay. Bill Nighy, who plays the villain, who is like 80, no idea, had no idea what Pokemon was, took the role because he knew it was a thing his grandkids were into. And to prepare for the role, did a bunch of research. I don't know what that means. This is the, exactly the kind of shit I was talking about. Although I am very curious about his research, because if he spent some time on Wikipedia, he would just be confused. But if he, he read all the manga, he would get a completely different idea than it is if he, like, sat down and watched all the movies. <laughs> or played one, or played or the if games. he watched, like, like the show, or versions. played the games. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what his research entailed. But by the end of it, he, he had, that he was enamored by it. And he bought plushes of his favorite Pokemon. <laughs> What's his favorite and, Pokemon? And you feel... I don't know. Um, ah, damn. Okay. I don't know. I'm sorry. Like this, I'm rem- I'm 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 remembering interviews that he did like two years ago. But like, y- you can go look this up. It's super funny. Like he's he genuinely like loves that he was a part of this, and you feel it in his performance. He is having such a great time. You can't fake that energy. Also, it's it's just fun playing a villain, right? A villain who's turning people into Pokemon. The another energy, by the way, that, that um, Elder Clifford has. Really good, really deep Kaiba energy. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he has he has this sort of, I will tear down God and replace it with Pokemon. <laughs> His favorite Pokemon's Mew, by the way, founded on Nerdist.com. Really? The, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> the original Mew. That's really cool. That's so good. That's a good choice. He just he just likes the idea of it being the first one. And like, it's so like majestic and weird. It's beautiful. God, I want to talk to him about Pokemon now. Just to, I want to know what he thinks. There are a lot of people I think who say, oh, I'm a lifelong learner. I don't believe you unless you're willing to engage with children's media on its terms. (laughs) That's the limit. Pikachu finds a Greninja star. He's like, Greninja's hacked the car. And Clifford would have been able to tell us that, which means Clifford's the bad guy. And so he's like, oh no, I gotta get back to Tim. He goes back to Tim. And Lucy's like, I'm a Psyduck now. And Pikachu's like, whoa, that's way bigger than my thing. Oh, yeah, he get, he gets there and he's like, ah, oh, damn it, I, mi- I missed the reveal. Not everybody knows he's the bad guy. But now he has to save Tim, who's being attacked by Clifford's secretary. He's like the only Pokemon that is, like, functioning. Everybody else, maybe eventually they'll be able to figure out how to live like this. But, like, it's not working, so it's up to him to stop Mewtwo. 
So Tim is fighting Clifford's secretary. No, wait, he's fighting Clifford's son. But that's not possible. <laughs> Clifford's son is in a closet. Then who is this? I'm so mad about this. So it's just Ditto, it's Ditto. of course. And Ditto manages to be the most terrifying Pokemon in this movie and like retroactively maybe ever after this i can imagine it now right like before in the pokemon show when ditto like transformed but didn't change the eyes i was like that's cute now i'm like that's horrifying actually Mm -hmm, i know what that looks like now (laughs) on skin and fur (laughs) it's rough so like this Ditto's fighting him as a human and then it goes on long enough the twister's fighting him like as a Pokemon, which is worse. And it gets to the point where he's hanging off the edge of a building, and Ditto has turned to a Cubone, which sucks because Ditto doesn't know about this interaction. Yeah, Ditto doesn't know the baggage. <laughs> There's, he could have picked any other Pokemon, but he starts smacking his hand with this little bone to get him to fall off What a fucking building. sadistic little fuck, by the way, right? I know. He could have turned to anything else and just pushed him over, but no. He could have picked up a gun and shot him. <laughs> so then younger Clifford smacks him out the window with a, I don't even remember, like a lamp or something. He golf balls the shit out of him. And he does this yell, this <laughs> like animalistic yell when he does it. It's amazing. I was immediately won over by this actor. I was like, yeah, this guy's all right. <laughs> it's great because you have this moment where you're like, he fucking hates that ditto. He's always hated that ditto. And at some point it tied him up and put him in a closet. And then the ditto really follows it up, though. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, ditto can turn to anything. So it turns into a fucking bird. And gets back in there and beats up Clifford and goes to take out Tim. Again. Meanwhile, Pikachu is, he's climbed up to the rooftops and is on these parade balloons. Just like taunting and trying to fight evil Clifford Mewtwo. And this is great because the parade balloons are in the shape of Pokemon. But they're in the shape of the anime Pokemon. Yeah, the classic illustrated forms. And the toxic gas is coming out of the balloons, and the toxic gas is flammable, which means that every time the Pikachu electrocutes something, the balloon explodes into a ball of fire. Love it. Hindenburg shit. It is a really solid fight, and when you're watching it, you can buy that Pikachu is holding his own against Mewtwo. It's a big problem in in the anime, right? That like it makes no sense, but it's fine cuz it's a cartoon. And so mm-hmm. the the work that they put into this live action movie to like give Pikachu an environment to play in that plays to all of Pikachu's strengths and all of um Mewtwo's weaknesses is fantastic. Like again, they didn't have to put that effort in. Cuz Mewtwo, but here's the thing, Mewtwo does not have weaknesses. Now, technically, yes, he does have weaknesses because all Pokemon do, but the character Mewtwo is not shown to have any weaknesses. Clifford, though, is is like a narcissist, right? And you can work with that. So he Mm. keeps underestimating this Pikachu, and this Pikachu is, like, exploding these balloons and doing this huge tackle because he doesn't even need to win. He just has to distract the Mewtwo so he can't kill Tim before he gets that thing off of Clifford's head and turns everything back, which he does do after he um, drugs Ditto. 
Does Ditto, hey, hey, I have a question. Does Ditto die? No, I think, um... Because it kind of looks like he's dying, but also he might just be super high and, like, chilled out right now. Yeah, Ditto, it, like, got so roided up that he could no longer focus on maintaining any form, including its own gelatinous mass. Yeah, so he just turns into a pile of goop. Just a, just a stain on the floor. And then Tim pulls the thing off of Clifford's head. The one issue I would, I would say I have with this is it's not ever said that Mewtwo couldn't fuse somebody with himself. Maybe he can't. <laughs> but if he could, Clifford should have done that first. I would have at least tried, right? <laughs> right. Giving it a shot. <laughs> so that this specifically doesn't happen. <laughs> But it's fine. Um, he, Clifford is defeated. Mewtwo separates all of the people from the Pokemon mm-hmm. and then is like, now there is one more Pokemon who I must separate from their human self. Oh, who could it be? Who's he talking about? Here's, so here's the problem with this twist. There is a problem with it. It is not explained for what reason Mewtwo would need Tim. I think the implication is that Harry was so hurt that if they separated him from Pikachu just raw style, that's not what I want to say. That was weird, but keep going. He would just go back to dying from the car explosion. So it's like a DNA thing, you think? Yeah, like he needed coherent DNA to be able to use to heal him, I guess. Maybe, but that's not said. It's not said. There's a version that I, that I was thinking about that I don't hate, which is there's no reason why he couldn't have separated him earlier, except that Mewtwo can see the future. I was probably like, I'm going to oh. need your son to make it so, the, so that I'm not mind controlled. <laughs> like, that would have been interesting. I, I just, I'm thinking about it. I would love if this whole thing had been planned by Mewtwo. Oh, Mewtwo gets captured immediately. My alternative, I think another great alternative would be if Mewtwo was just like, man, this guy has a lot of hangups. While I'm transferring this guy's soul into this Pokemon, he's got a lot of hangups about his son. And I think we could really drill down and solve those issues if they go on a fun adventure together. Do you think that Mewtwo absorbed the Pokemon psychologist? I think it's going to bring them closer as family. <laughs> Maybe the Pokemon psychologist isn't dead. It's, she was just brought into Mewtwo's mind. Mewtwo's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I got this. This is easy. Baby shit. <laughs> Reconciling a father with their son. Baby stuff. All I need to do is put the father's soul into the Pikachu's body. Give them amnesia. I reconciled with my father. It wasn't even hard. We just almost destroyed the world. That's how you do it. Mewtwo fixes everything. Mewtwo leaves. And then we get a, uh, a sort of cool-down scene where we finally get to see Ryan Reynolds as a human. Because <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is Tim's dad. The reveal for it is very cute, by the way. It shows Pikachu from the back. Yeah, and then he says, hey, kid, and then he steps out. It's just, again, just to really hammer home to the kids in the audience what's happening. Uh, but in a way that's not, like... It's not treating you as if you're stupid. It's just like, this is the last the last hint you're going to get. It's cute. It's a cute touch. So Tim decides to stay with his dad. He's going to maybe be mm-hmm. a detective. End of movie. There is a pretty good credit sequence. Oh, the credit sequence is so good. Um, I think Ryan Reynolds mentions that his grandma is waiting for him at home, actually. Does he? 
He says, or he says, like, say hi to your grandma for me. Well, then it seems weird that Tim doesn't go home, at least to say bye. It just seems like they might have to move grandma out eventually. Oh, yeah, just move grandma into your little two-bedroom apartment. Well, what support system does she have? I want to, I think we can both safely say that we like this movie and we think everyone should watch it. Is that correct? Or are you going to hit me with a twist? Jen, I'll tell you what I wanted as I was watching this movie. I thought to myself, everybody knows what Pokemon is now. And yet I still want to watch this with somebody who has no idea what Pokemon is. I want to sit down with like a 50 year old who like maybe their kids are into Pokemon, but they don't really know. <laughs> and I just want to be like, so what do you think of this? Tell me, what's up? Yeah, what's, hey, what's, uh, what's up? Because, uh, okay, because the last movie we watched did not care if you did not know anything about Pokemon. It was taking for granted that you knew what it was talking about. And this movie really held your hand for like the first 20 minutes in a way that wasn't even like obnoxious. It just like worked because they were going by different rules than what we are used to anyway. So we need to see it. I think part of it is just being willing to, I I hate using this terminology. I think it's a disgusting way to talk about art, but I think part of it is that a lot of times when you're dealing with video game IPs, There's a struggle to let them breathe and let them just be the stupid thing that they are and be okay with it. I think part of the reason why Detective Pikachu and and Sonic also uh, work is because they're allowed to be what they are. Um, I don't think Sonic is nearly as good as this movie, but I think it has all of the same strengths. I just think that too many times people come to these like video game or children's IPs and they they don't uh, they don't respect them right they they mm-hmm. don't respect that these are things that became popular for a reason um it doesn't need to be art it just needs to be fun and maybe along the way you can find something in there that's artful yeah and like we were saying it feels like everybody gave a shit about this movie that's that's the thing that that feels strange about it honestly it has much less like marvel movie energy than it has like indie movie energy sometimes yeah like or cats energy it feels like a lot of caring about this movie i firmly believe that everybody involved with the production of detective pikachu believed that it was going to be a a great thing and they were right i want to play a game with you tony uh this movie was directed by rob letterman do you know what else rob letterman has directed no i don't this is gonna be a trip huh we usually do this at the top he does he doesn't have a large i like having it here at the end he doesn't have a large um oeuvre Uh, But the first thing he directed was a CGI short in 1999. His first feature-length film co-directed with Vicky Jensen and Bebo Bergeron, and it was in 2004, a little movie called Shark Tale. His next movie, co-directed with Conrad Vernon, was a 2009 movie called Monsters vs. Aliens. So So he went ahead. And he directed maybe the two genuinely worst DreamWorks films. Like, I don't even think there's competition for that title after you've gotten past Shark Tale and Monsters vs. Aliens. Nobody liked those movies. Well, let me tell you what. In 2010, he had his live-action debut with the live-action comedy loosely based off of the 1726 novel of the same name starring Jack Black, Gulliver's Travels. Now the novel star Jack Black? Yes, the novel star Jack Black. Um, he wasn't in the movie at all. I don't know if Gulliver's Travels was a good movie. I know that it wasn't 
Gulliver's Travels, but also I don't feel like you need it to be. Gulliver's Travels is a um, it's a parody of the time, which means that you would have to change things anyway. But I don't know if it was bad. <laughs> I've seen it. It's not good. Oh. <laughs> I can tell you, it's I I I watched it on DVD, rented it <laughs> from Movie Gallery. Not great. Wow, I, there are people in Gulliver's Travels. Did you know that? They're like, I know it's Jack Black, but there are a lot of other people in this yeah. movie. Sorry, go on. Emily Blunt, Catherine Tate. Wow. Um, so he took a break for five years and came back uh, with another Jack Black starring movie, Goosebumps. Now, I want to be fair here because I've never seen Goosebumps. So maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like Goosebumps is probably kind of the energy you want from the director who directs Detective Pikachu. (laughs) Because I feel like it has the same strength of, like, looking at this IP and saying, like, this is silly, but can we make it strong on its own? Like, can we we have a way for this silly thing to be Mm -hmm. entertaining to a new audience? I know a lot of people who really liked the Goosebumps movie. I think this is the movie that puts him on the list. I know a lot of people when this movie came out who went and watched it because they re- they grew up reading Goosebumps and didn't expect it to be anything and were were pleasantly surprised to find a movie that uh, just kind of made them feel like kids again and also reminded mm-hmm. them of the old TV show but still managed to be like its own fun new thing. Also, the premise of the movie itself is, like, really dumb. It's, like, R.L. Stein, played by Jack Black, is a real person who trapped all the monsters in the books. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. Uh, it's it's good. It's good stuff. I like the idea that, that this children's horror writer is, like, haunted and, like, constantly writing new books because it's the only way to get, like, the evil cuckoo clock away. <laughs> Yeah, it gives me... You remember that, um... Oh, that Brothers Grimm movie? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised we haven't done that one yet, actually. It's like that, but f- fun. But but <laughs> fun and for kids. I hope we never do. It's got Heath Ledger in it, but God, I don't want to watch that. I think it's Heath Ledger and Matt Damon or something ridiculous like that. And then he did Detective Pikachu. And I don't think he's directed anything since. Yeah, I just, it's a, a wild start, I think, to... That was, how many movies was that? If we don't count the shorts, we got one, two, three, four, five. So, two out of five. And these are all, these are all very special effects. Like, all of his live action stuff is very special effects heavy. And the two, obviously, the two animated films are, like, entirely, they're all long-term projects for a director. And maybe that's why he's good at directing I, I definitely think so because he has experience with CGI as a as an animator. Absolutely, because um, the guy who directed Bumblebee was the guy who did who directed like Kubo and the Two Strings, and it shows because he that 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 he's an animator because of how he treats the CGI characters. I'm looking at stills of Monsters vs. Aliens. Boy, this boy, this looks bad. Hugh Laurie was in it. Oh yeah. Seth Rogen, Will Arnett, Kiefer Sutherland, Rain Wilson, Paul Rudd, this Stephen Colbert as the president. This was a stacked. They really thought this movie was going to be something. That's the thing, though. These are people who should be able to, like, do a movie. <laughs> Although Hugh Laurie's been in some bullshit before. So, like, Hugh, Hugh Laurie has been in a lot of bad stuff. Anywho, we got to start wrapping up. I'm hot in here. Thank you for listening to Direct Video VHS. VHS? I have been your host, Tony Robusta. Uh, you and can I have find been your host, Andy Reyes. 
Are you lagging or are you just being an ass? I'm lagging. I hope so, because that was so long between that. Um, you can find me at Theater Bats or my website at inspiredbytrueevents.org. And you can find me on Twitter at royalty underscore Valens. You can also find me on my other podcast, um, Time Honored Pictures, where we just watched Gone with the Wind. And let me tell you, it was four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew there was a reason I had watched Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Uh, well, you're gonna have, you're about to get a lot more. You can find the podcast at direct2.video. We have a comment system that you can leave comments on there, or you can just leave reviews on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your your podcasts. Can you do Spotify? Can you review podcasts there? I don't know. Thank you to Lee Rosevere for Planet E off the album Travis And next time we're going to watch Lightyear, so we'll be able to watch a new movie for the second time ever, I think. I am the ghost of Jumps. Hold up, you say newer. The newer Star Wars stuff is better with it. The prequels specifically were very good no. at it. N- n- all right, I guess specifically I'm talking about like the kind of uh, sequel trilogy. Um, okay. Because the prequel trilogy like has a lot, has a surprisingly large amount of this. Um, I've I've gone back and I rewatched episodes two and three, and two is a miserable time. But like, look, I watched two after watching episode one, and two was way better than one. So everybody needs to get off of two's back for a second. No, I disagree, dude. I think two is miserable. I had a horrible time. I preferred one. Half of two is Obi Wan Kenobi flying around the stars, fighting bounty hunters. Stuff's fun. Yeah, and the other half is miserable. (laughs) The other half is miserable. But nothing happens in episode one. And that's fine, right? Like, no, it's, it's still, hey, like, hey, pod hey, racing hey. happens. I, I, Andy, I swear to God, if any other human being ever says to me, what about the pod racing? I'm going to kill them. <laughs> the scene is too long. It's The pod racing scene is way too long. It shouldn't be in the movie. It's it shouldn't too, be it's, there. It's, it's too long and it's fucking nothing. This Jedi just... Put a kid in a death sport. <laughs> but he he knew he could do it. He believed in it's him. It's a death sport. There were sand people shooting at the cars. All right, but I don't know. Like he was a child slave. How much worse could it get? He could have just taken this child slave. He could have just stolen them. He he could have just stolen them. Because what's important is it's not stealing. If it's humans, that's just freeing, right? But he doesn't. <laughs> He doesn't. <laughs> he respects property. And I gotta cut this now. My issue is that Qui-Gon Jinn is just as bad in many ways as as young Anakin Skywalker is in the second movie. Yes. But I'm supposed to fucking like Qui-Gon. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm supposed to like, 
agree with his decisions, but every decision he makes is insane. I we could talk about this forever, um, and, and we can't. But also, we can't. Asshole. He sucks so bad. They, they, um, they, they, yeah. Uh. Um, and and it's not the actor's fault. I, I I think a lot of people really like bagged on this kid actor way too much. I think he did a fine job. He's just given shit things to say and do. Do you know what I genuinely think it is? Is if you ever watch like a interview with Mark Hamill or like the older ones with Carrie Fisher, yeah, they will always talk about how the writing in Star Wars is terrible, and they were basically like, "I'm not going to say this. I'm going to say something that makes sense." Mm-hmm. But then, like, 20 years later, when the 90s films came out, early 2000 films, I guess, George Lucas was, like, a huge name, and nobody was going to be like, George, I can't say this. So they just did it, especially these young actors who didn't know any better. It's a fascinating, disgusting mess. Yeah, those movies are bad. I like them, but we can't get into this, because <laughs> we're here to talk about Pokemon. Yes, um, please. But there, I will say, though, you can watch the making of documentaries for free on YouTube, and they are fascinating. It is fascinating. I, there is so much I have to cut from this already. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was going to say, I'm just going to start my point from the top so you can just cut all that out. 